0: This week, we're talking about Simo Heiha, a.k.a. the White Death, the five-foot-and-some-change-tall Finnish sniper who claims to have killed more than 500 enemy soldiers during a 100-day battle in World War II using a bolt-action rifle with iron sights. Listener discretion is always advised. All aboard the Midnight Train. Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. Yes, we make fun of and joke about creepy stuff while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. And listen, we are a comedy podcast, and stuff can get a little dark from time to time. So if you're not into that, listen, we get it. Understandable. All right. But give us a shot. Maybe, uh, maybe you like it, you know, or maybe tell your friends and see if they like it you know but for the rest of us and you guys are along for the ride you guys know what we do so thank you for being here i am your host the conductor of the cryptic jonathan sayer and listen i'm going solo today baby so i want to say really fast and we'll get into everything too i know i don't like to spend too much time talking about things in the beginning of the show but uh, we are working on the uh, other podcast, Icons and Outlaws. And so the, the thought here is that I'm going to be doing the train by myself. I know, I know. I know. And Logan and Jeff are going to be focusing on icons for right now, just so we can get it running. There's a lot going on behind the scenes for that uh, particular podcast. So we're going to uh, kind of work it that way. And uh, see how it, you know, comes back. And in in the meantime, it'll just be me here. I'm going to have some guests on here from time to time. And I'm sure those knuckleheads will show up from time to time as well. But just want to let you know, this has been a passion project of mine since its conception. And um, I really just want to, I want to keep going with it. And hopefully you enjoy it and you're along for the ride with me, you know. Uh, you know? All right. So anyway, listen, our Patreon, for all you awesome Patreon subscribers over there, are our, our, our wonderful, wonderful poopers or whatever the hell you guys want to call yourselves. Um, this week we're actually gonna be talking about Hetty Lamar. And if you don't know who Hetty Lamar is, you just gotta wait for the Patreon. She was an actress way back in the day. She was amazing. She was considered one of the most beautiful women in the world at the time. And one of the most intelligent as well. And you'll find out when you listen to the uh the episode over on Patreon. So if you want to check that out, you know, go to uh patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast or go to our website, uh, the midnight train podcast com and uh, just go to sponsor or not sponsors, I'm sorry, go over to uh Patreon and you can sign up there too. It's like five bucks a month. You get all kinds of bonuses and cool stuff and promos and this, that, and the other thing. And of course my ever, just, just ever loving, grateful, just, I, I want to come and hug and squeeze all get you. Well, that sounded weird, didn't it? Yeah. You know, you, know, you know what I mean? High fives. How's that? How's that? High fives that work? Maybe some of you can take a hug. I don't I don't know how it goes. I don't know. Anyway. So yes, in saying that, we're going to get into an amazing, and I wanted to do something uplifting kind of um, for this episode. So that's what we're going to do. All right. So let's turn down the lights adjust our seats grab a drink and let's get this one isn't spooky it's just awesome in the meantime here we go baby to all you beautiful motherfuckers So let's talk about a badass, all right? So we're talking about Simo Simo Heha, all right? And I've tried going through this to make sure I don't mispronounce too many names. Um, but he is from Finland, was from Finland. And uh, so first we're going to talk about Finland a little bit here. Um, it's officially officially called the Republic of Finland. Uh, and Pictures and stuff just look absolutely amazing. Like, so if you look online, like Finland, and if we have any Finnish listeners out there, uh, your country looks pretty damn awesome. Anyway, so um, the country's name was said to be found on three different rune stones. Okay, that's how they supposedly came up with the name of Finland. All right, and I really was going to try to pronounce those, but I'm not going to. So if you want to look at that and figure that out, go for it. I mean, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was like all kinds of weird words that I have like different things over the top of it. And I'm an idiot. So that's just how that goes. They have about 168,000 lakes and 179,000 islands. Helsinki is their capital. Um, as for weather uh, in Helsinki, the summers are comfortable and partly cloudy. And the winters are long, freezing, snowy, windy, and mostly cloudy so that just sounds like so much fun, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah. Um, over the um, the course of the year, the temperature typically varies from 17 degrees Fahrenheit to um, 71 degrees Fahrenheit and is rarely below negative three or above 79. So it's pretty, I mean, it's a pretty big gap, but that's pretty awesome. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't get too, too hot. But then again, negative three, that's cold. That That's cold. That'll, that'll put a little nip in your butt for that one for sure. So, they are a member of the e, the EU, 338,455 square kilometers. That's how big they are, or you know, 130,678 square miles for the rest of us with a population of um, right around 5.5 million people. That's pretty awesome. So according to an American study, an average of 7,000 rifle caliber shots were require, required to achieve one combat kill during the First World War. Okay, and so we're talking about Basically, I'm just trying to put things into perspective here, all right? So during the Vietnam War, this number had increased to more than 25,000 rifle caliber shots. Okay, so in other words, you have to shoot this many times to get one, basically, is how they measured it out. So for Simo Heiha, more than 505 kills. Remember, 505 is the magic number here. And I've looked all over the place where some said it was like 750, and others were like, well, so we'll talk about all that. So with him, if he were to kill you know, more than 505 enemy soldiers, he would have had to have shot more than 13,550,000 bullets if he were in Vietnam. That's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Because remember, Vietnam, I mean, it was definitely after World War II, but it's still, that's absolutely wild. So Simo was born on December 17th, 1905 in the, oh boy, Kiskinen hamlet of the uh, Rajarvi (laughs) <laughs> Vipuri province in Southern Finland. Boy, I'm screwing it up. I know I am, but bear with me, folks. Oh, by the way, I'm also extremely hungover. Um, it was my wife's birthday yesterday. So happy birthday to my beautiful wife, Grace. Um, and we all decided to go out and drank all the beer in Cleveland it is pretty much how I feel today. I feel like we drank all of it. So to Bill, Katie, Katie, all of our friends, Tommy, everybody that went out. Oh, boy, I hope you feel better than I do today. Anyway, so this could be fun. <laughs> anyway, so this uh, province that he was born in is actually not far from the Russian border. Okay, at that time, it wasn't far from the Russian border. His father, Yuho Heha, was the owner of the uh, the Matilla farm where Simo's mother, Katrina, was known as a, quote, loving and hardworking farmer's wife. Also, they were farmers, you know. He was the second youngest of eight children, so it's pretty pretty awesome. Went to school in the village of, oh, this word, Miatila, in uh, Kavanapa Parish. And then I'm probably screwing that all up because they have, you know, Finland has their own dialect and everything over there and own language. And I'm not going to make fun of them and be like, because that's stupid. And I'm sorry that I even brought that up. So working on his family's farm and hunting in the Finnish wilderness, it made him a very tough yet very patient person. Okay. And you'll find out how that works into this whole thing. It's It's pretty epic. So, he built his own farm along with his oldest brother. And he was, a, again, a very proficient farmer, hunter, and skier. And, you know, living up there where it gets super freaking cold and the winters are really long or whatever, you kind of have to make do and kind of builds a beast out of you. At 17, Simo joined the Finnish Voluntary Militia Civil Guard, which is kind of like the National Guard here in the United States. He, yes, yeah, Simo, from all accounts, from what I've seen, he was no taller than five foot three inches. Okay but I've also seen where he's just or just at five foot. So he was between five foot and five foot three, but you'll find out it really helps him out as he's doing his his stuff as we go through it here. He was a great marksman, um, at, great at marksmanship and won several shooting competitions. He had a bunch of trophies and awards in his house because the guy, he was just great at it. He was really, really good. Again, that patience, you know, when you're shooting or whatever, and if anyone out there is a, uh, you know, ever gone shooting or hunting or anything like that, you know, you have to have patience to, be able to shoot, I guess, correctly and hit your mark, right? If not, you're just spraying all over the damn place. Uh, he was a shy guy uh, and uh, wasn't super big, um, you know, of the, being in the, the spotlight. You know, he really didn't, you know, someone come up and be like, oh, man, hey. And he's like, who thanks Well, I don't know if he said it like that. But anyway, he'd just walk away. You know what I mean? He's just one of those guys. But super nice from all the uh, stories and stuff I've read about him. At 19, SEMO started a 15-month mandatory military service called Conscription in the Bicycle Battalion uh, in uh, Raviola. You know, Ray- <laughs> it's not Ravioli, and I'm really trying hard not to say that. I think it's raviola. Okay, whatever. So yeah, um, a lot of places, they have um, mandatory service where you have to go in for 15 months. Okay, well, not just 15 months. And over there, it was 15 months, but there's some places you got to go for two years and others that, you know what I mean? Which is kind of, I don't know, whatever. He didn't uh, actually start snipe, uh, sniper training until he was around 20 years old, all right? So he was a little bit older. He was supposedly able to, um, at, this is crazy, to estimate distances up to 150 meters, right, right around 500 feet, within one meter or 3.3 3 feet, okay? That's over one and a half football fields in length. So if you can look down and kind of just think about that, what 500 feet is or 150 meters, and being able to, estimate that that distance within a meter like you know three a little over three feet that's crazy like i'm looking at a wall right now that's probably six feet away from me and i probably couldn't even you know do that you know i don't know it's just crazy to me anyway so it really helped him out when he was like you know trying to figure out the distances for his um marksman you know uh, for shooting and stuff like that so it was really cool an author that wrote about simo said that he once hit a target 16 times From 150 meters away, remember that's 500 feet, in only one minute, okay? Now, a lot of you are thinking, okay, bang, 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 bang. Yeah, that's fine. 150, you're talking 500 feet, hitting the same target 16 times. And this guy says, quote, this was an unbelievable accomplishment with a bolt action rifle, considering that each cartridge had to be manually fed with a fixed magazine that held together five cartridges. Okay, so he had to bolt action, so it's bang, click, click, eject, then then th- throw your bolt forward again, bang, click, click, you know what I mean? So if, if you guys are ever wondering what that, anyway, if you've played Call of Duty, you know what that dang gun does. So Simo um, went back to, this, uh, to his farm until the invasion happened, okay? So he basically did his service, he won a bunch of stuff, and he went back to his farm, and he's like, all right, cool. So now let's talk about this crazy invasion. And this is kind of part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this, but I also just think it's amazing. Like the whole story about Semo is just absolutely wild. And from all you know accounts, it, it it happened. Like, but there was a lot of propaganda involved in there too. And you guys, you know how this uh, the the what is it the uh, the Ukraine guy we talked about in the uh, the bonus we just recently did. Uh, what is his name the the mm, I can't remember the ghost of Kiev. Ha ha. Like that, you know, it's like he, it doesn't really exist. I mean, maybe, but it's probably just to get everybody like, you know, we can do this, which is good to have. You need that morality boost. So so let's talk about this one here. It's the war here. The Soviets did not trust Germany during World War II. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shocker. And wanted a buffer zone. So in the autumn of 1939, the Soviet Union demanded that Finland move their border back twenty-five kilometers from Leningrad. Okay. They wanted to have that little buffer zone there just in case something went down. And, of course, the Finnish government said, nah. So the Soviet Union staged an incident at the border. Yes, a fake incident, using it as an excuse to attack Finland. Okay, so they say, hey, we want you to move. They say, uh, no. And they go, oh, okay. And then basically stage some some thing and then go, oh, guess what? Now we can come attack you. It's dumb. So anyway, this started the Winter War. All right, and it was also called like the uh, the russo Finnish war, I believe, so Stalin sent over seven hundred and fifty thousand Russian soldiers to invade Finland. Finland's army only had three hundred thousand. They only had a few tanks and just over one hundred aircraft. Russia had almost six thousand tanks and over three thousand aircraft. so think about that, okay. Stalin thought that um Finland would just be a pushover, okay, and we're just gonna go in there and take our shit and well, we'll show them, right? Well, he was way wrong, okay? it's pretty awesome. So Simo was called up, all right, our boy here. He pulled out his old gun from his uh, his little shed in the back, joined the Finnish army, and entered the Winter War between 1939 and 1940. So this war was between, obviously, Finland and Russia, and the temp- uh, the temperatures were between negative 40 and negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit. I remember we were talking on average before that it rarely got below certain things, but, I mean, that's, it can get that cold. So that's cold, Simo, of course, dressed in all white camo because it's snowing. It's wintertime. Makes sense. Where the Russian troops, um, <laughs> they weren't given any camo. Uh, yeah, it, seriously. They were literally wearing like their standard green great coats, they called them. And, be, and it's just, uh, it's so insane that you would invade a place and just be like, here I am standing out like a sore thumb. You can't shoot me. Yeah. So this disorganization do- was due to Stalin freaking out and killing most of his superior generals. Um, yeah, he just had a freak out moment and was like, you're not doing enough and killed everybody. So then there was no leadership. So then these other guys who didn't know what the hell they were doing, they were like, "Okay, hey, I don't know. He wants me to wait. Hold on. So I'm you want me to go to take these guys and go and invade Finland. Um, dude, I'm the janitor. Like, I don't I don't I mean, OK, can I finish mopping? I mean, it's pretty much what it was. I mean, not to that degree, obviously. It wasn't like, you know, that. <laughs> it could have been. I don't know. I wasn't there. On a side note, though, the Finns were also smart in their tactics, okay? The most notable of which were known as mati tax- tactic tactics. Jesus. Tactics. Since the Soviets would invade by the roads, the Finns would hide out in the surrounding wilderness. Of course, that's, what they, that's their area. They would then let the invaders cross the border and attack them from behind. Smart move. The Finns faced both the 9th and 14th Soviet armies, and at one point were fighting against as many as 12 divisions, okay, about 160,000 soldiers. Also at one point in the same area, there were only 32 Finns, 32 Finns, people, Finnish people, fighting against over 4,000 Soviets. That is insane. But it makes you kind of think about things, doesn't it? That's why I wanted to talk about this, because, I mean, kind of like what's going on there? So the Russian army supposedly gave the name White Death to Semo, but uh, some speculation believes it was just propaganda created again by Finland, You know, like I just said, like the ghost of Kiev. Uh, Russian prisoners claim that White Death actually was referring to how cold it gets in the deepest parts of the forest. Okay, so there's a little bit of a disparage there as between you know who who started calling him White Death and who didn't. Either way, the name's badass. So the Finnish newspapers used the name and the likeness of an invisible soldier to create and purport a hero for the war. Of course, look at this guy. He's awesome. But he was, he, he wasn't, it wasn't just bullshit. It wasn't like some fake hero they made up. Like this guy was a le- legitimate um, hero. He was also called the magic shooter. Even rumors that captured um Uh, Oh, rumors that to capture soldiers from Russia or whatever, they were actually disappointed because they'd get captured and they're like, oh, we want to meet this guy. And they didn't get to meet him and they were like super bummed out. (laughs) It's amazing. So as a sniper, Simo here, all 500 or so of his kills were supposedly done in less than 100 days. That's an average of five kills a day. And there's not a lot of sunlight during this time of the year either, so this guy was doing most of this stuff either at night or just in the little window of um, opportunity he had. On February 17th, 1940, SEMO was awarded an honorary rifle for being such a badass. Given to him by uh, Commander Svensson for 219 confirmed kills with a rifle and 219 with a submachine gun. It's pretty badass. December 21st, 1939, was his highly, his highly, his high daily kill count of 25. So in one day, December 21st, 1939, he took out 25 enemy soldiers on his own. I mean, (laughs) what? Army chaplain Rantama claims it was more like 542 confirmed kills starting from the beginning of the war until Simo was injured. And yeah, we'll talk about that. So there are some actual Finnish documents uh, kind of talking about, um, you know, from the war and the military. And they kind of put it on, uh, you know, to let people know about how he was doing his, his stuff here. So uh, he had 138 sniper kills in 22 days. That was published on December 22nd, 1939. On, let's see, January 26, 1940, he had 199 kills. February 17th, 1940, it was 219 and then, uh, let's see, uh, he had 40 in 18 days on this next one from on March 7th, 1940. Wow, that's crazy. That's today. I'm actually recording this on. Ha! <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Anyway, um, on 1940, he had 259 sniper kills. All right. And like I said, 40 in 18 days. He was just just a beast. It was amazing. And and we'll I'll talk about how he did it because a lot of people are thinking, oh, you know, he's got a sniper rifle with a scope on it. Mm-mm, mm-mm, that'd be too easy. Simo's not doing that. So in his memoirs found in 2017, he had a sin list. All right. Because he didn't feel good about doing this, but it claims a right around 500 kills. And he's not, he's not the only one to say that. Like there's so many other people, like we were just saying there a second ago, the army chaplain who was following what he was doing and whatnot, and that he was probably confessing to was actually like documenting all of it. So it's, you know, it's, it's real. We just don't know how real it is. So the Finnish historian uh, Marjoma claims the number to be more around 200 kills due to the absence of bodies and the use of the press's propaganda. It's still a lot. Even if if we just say it's, you know, 100 kills or 200 kills in 100 days, that's still two per day. And if, you know, that's still a lot. It's a lot. So Simo's gun of choice was his Seiko M2830, a Finnish version of a Mosin Nagant known as the Spitz because of its front sights resembling the head of a dog. You know, the the dog, the Spitz. If you look at their ears, got those little, that's what the, the iron sights look like. The sights on the front of the gun. It's also a very popular bolt action rifle in the video game Call of Duty. So if you guys have ever played that or seen anyone play that, there's one of those guns in there. And it's just, it's a really accurate, very sturdy gun. So you could take it out there and beat the crap out of it. There weren't a ton of moving parts on it, you know, so it's not going to like freeze up on you and stuff, at least not as likely to as like a machine gun. So Simo liked to use his iron sights, not scopes. He claimed that he could uh, keep his head lower, okay, and give him a smaller target. Now, remember, he's only five foot nothing anyway. And if you got a scope on that gun, you're going to have to lift your head up more where he would rather just use the iron sights. The iron sights were also dependable where scopes could fog up in cold weather and made the gun easier to hide. Not to mention the reflection of the light from the scopes lens could show enemies where the sniper was positioned. And he took advantage of that quite often. Simo knew how it, um, it, how cold it could be out in the, uh, the forest and stuff. Obviously he lives there. So he dressed for the weather wearing multiple layers. Okay. This meant he could stay out in the cold longer waiting for his attack or to wait after his attack, because if they don't know where it's coming from, and all of a sudden, he just starts hightailing to the group, like, "Oh, there, there's the guy that's shooting at us." But instead, he would just sit there and, like, in this cold ass weather, and you know, wait for hours and hours. He would actually keep sugar and bread in his pockets, and uh, he would eat those for calories to keep his body warm while he was out there, because obviously, sugar lots of calories. So that's what he did to actually survive out there. Without having to take a lot of um, uh, supplies with him. And um, unlike most snipers, SEMO didn't fire from the prone position. He actually preferred sitting up. Okay, you know, like prone, meaning like laying down with the, the gun right up by your head and you're on your shoulder. He would actually sit up. But then again, remember, little dude, itty bitty. He's like pocket-sized. He's smaller than my wife, and that's crazy. Maybe. So being shorter obviously helped him hide from his enemies. He would go out at night, improve his favorite shooting positions. All right. So he'd go out and find a place that he really liked and he would actually get it set up. He would then perform meticulous maintenance on his rifle so that it would never jam, especially in the cold conditions. So this dude was just, this is what he did. You know what I mean? Like this, is, I've never seen anyone more <laughs> like devout to their, their job. I think to not just their job, but to their country. Like I, that's what this was too. He's like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to stand by and let them invade. So I mean, that's what he did. So he would uh, he would head to his spot um, for the day before sunrise and stay there until after the sun had actually set. So in, he wanted it to be a little bit darker so he couldn't be spotted. That Now, the funny thing about that is daylight only lasted for roughly three hours a day during this time. So he didn't have a lot of time. Simo would pile the snow in front of him or around him um, or pour water on it in a way that the blast from his barrel of his gun wouldn't disturb the snow in front of him. And so there was like no, you know, movement of the snow so you wouldn't see like a little cloud like snow cloud like poof whatever and he even kept snow in his mouth to keep his breath from showing you know anyone where he was so he would sit there and put the snow in his mouth before he shot so that way you couldn't see his breath like from with a sniper rifle or something like that it's freaking amazing (laughs) absolutely amazing he'd uh he'd place his gloves on the snow and his rifle on top of them to lessen the recoil All right. So the guy, he just, he kind of had his whole little thing going on here, man. Like he knew like every day he's like, all right, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to pack this down. And, And the funny thing is too, not funny. Well, I mean, whatever the, the cool thing I guess is there may not be troops walking by there for days. So he may just be going to that position and just waiting for days and days. Obviously he'd go back and then go back and, you know, come back to the whatever. So it's not like he just went out there like, okay, they'll be here at three o'clock and okay, bang. No, there's not at, at all. He was literally waiting. Now, of course, they had people, scouts and stuff, trying to tell them like when they were coming and stuff, but you never knew, you know? So in the early days of fighting, a Soviet sniper had actually killed three junior platoon leaders and an NCO. Simo's platoon leader told him to take out the sniper. As the sun was setting, the Soviet sniper carelessly abandoned his, his position, okay, as he did, the sunlight glinted off of the sniper scope, Mm-hmm. and Simo put a round right through his face. Yeah, buddy. That's what I was talking about. He knows. Don't use those scopes. I mean, they give you an advantage, but there's a serious disadvantage, too. Later, another Soviet sniper kept Heihaz unit pinned down. Again, Simo was called upon and began to search for his target. Using another Finnish lieutenant as a spotter, he took the Soviet sniper out with a single shot from 400 meters away. Damn, that's awesome. Simo once told a writer that snipers didn't actually aim for headshots, and it kind of makes sense. Quote, the head is a small size compared to the torso, and for that reason, I always fired at the center of the torso. Shooting an enemy should only be done so when the probability of killing the enemy is at its highest, and if aiming at his head, a slight misjudgment leads to a miss, which can give away your position with no gain taken. Okay, makes sense, right? It's a small little, little, little little nugget out in the distance, you know, we're center mass on a, a body. Well, it's a bigger shot. Right. So now let's talk about him getting wounded. Yes. Yeah, so he did all this stuff in like a hundred days, basically he went out and I don't want to say single-handedly, but damn near single-handedly wiped out like anywhere between 200 to 500, depending on where you look It, it there. You know, you don't really know, but you, we know for a fact, God, I keep stuttering today. We know for a fact that it was at least 200, which is just awesome. And by the way, it's a record that still holds today for the most, um, um, the most sniper or most snipes, I guess, most kills, most confirmed kills by a sniper in the military in any military. Pretty awesome. So now he did get wounded and it was pretty rough. Uh, so they actually ordered counter snipers and artillery missions to specifically take out SEMO. You knew you, this dude was getting under Stalin's skin hard. Like, wait a minute. One guy. You're telling me one guy? No. And then he's like, I want all platoons or not all platoons, but he wants so many different platoons. He wants different artillerymen, artillery, meaning they, they want like freaking bombs and shit thrown to try and take this guy out. Like one little dude, like he must have been so infuriated at this one. And when I say little, I mean little. Like, he was five foot nothing. And he's going out, just wiping out like the... Oh, it's just amazing. So, of course, most of these missions from Russia actually failed. Simo was, however, almost killed on March 6th, 1940. March 6th. Hey, that was yesterday. And that's my wife's birthday. Again, happy birthday, Grace. So, he was actually shot in the face by an explosive incendiary round, which it, it basically explodes on impact. All right? Um, it's pretty fucked up, too. His uh, lower left jaw... It, were, it, it got hit in the lower left side of his jaw. It removed his upper jaw, most of his lower jaw, and most of his left cheek. And if you look online and just look up Simo heha, you can actually see pictures of him afterwards. Uh, so the Russians thought he was dead, obviously, because the dude just got shot in the face. Like, he didn't have a face. His face was gone. So they thought he was dead. He had actually passed out. And so they just took him and threw him on a pile of bodies. Yeah, you know. yeah, hey, we got him. Yay. They just took him and threw him away. So his soldiers, Simo's soldiers, the Finnish soldiers, they actually were told to go looking for him because he hadn't come back. And so they go out to look for him. And as they're going by this pile of bodies, they see a leg twitching. So they go over, they look, and they realize that, hey, we found Simo, except half of his face was missing. And that's a quote from one of the soldiers. Uh, so of course, rumors, rumors, rumors of Simo's death were everywhere. Of course, they were like, "Yes, we got him." Now the Russians were like, "We got that some bitch," and then the Fens were like, "Oh no!" You know, like that, that you're this guy who's basically the the propaganda for your entire defense against this you know invading country just died. That that that'd be a huge hit to the morale for the for everybody for the entire country. So one week later, however, he regained consciousness, of course, because you can't kill this guy. He's just badass. And of course, this was the day that they actually declared peace. All right. They they stopped the war. That part of the war in Finland, they stopped. I just want to put that right here. The Finnish army was exhausted. Its ammunition nearly out and its defensive lines uh, close to being overrun. So Finland was forced to sign the Treaty of Moscow on March 12th, 1940 under the treaty it ceded 11% of its territory to the Soviet Union, more than the Soviets actually demanded prior to the start of the conflict. Okay, so they actually got more land than they wanted. Now, it took him, it took Simo over 14 months to recover and had 26 different surgeries for this. So he saw a story about his death in a newspaper. Everyone thought he was dead. So he was looking at a newspaper one day, and he looks down and it's like, Simo, hey, ha, dead. Well, of course, you're not going to tell Simo he's dead. So he sent them a letter just letting them know, hey, man, I'm cool. <laughs> like, that's crazy. It's insane. So after his recovery, he actually wanted to go back out and fight, but he was not permitted because of his injuries. They were like, dude, come on, man. Like, your face is, have you seen yourself? Like, yeah, I don't think you're up to it. But he was down. He wanted to go and he wanted to keep fighting for his country. So now he did get a, a bunch of accolades and awards and stuff, and uh, he received the first and second class medals of liberty, which are very high honors over there, and the KOLA fighters um, medal, and that's KOLA, K-O-L-L-A, which is probably like Koya, I, I, I don't, may, maybe, I'm an idiot, I'm sorry, he was promoted from the lowest ranked non-commissioned officer, and yeah, that was actually his rank in the beginning of this, he was like a corporal, if I'm not mistaken, which is basically just, you know, you're at the bottom rung of the barrel, And then he was promoted to the first military rank of an officer after what he did. Of course, I mean, hell yeah. This dude freaking pretty much wiped out. He didn't wipe out, but he definitely stood up to the Russian forces in which, you know, we're kind of seeing a lot of that going on right now with the Ukraine where, you know, they're they're a smaller country and it was probably thought, hey, we're just going to take this and they're not taking it so easily. So he was nominated as a Knight of the Mannerheim Cross which is considered the greatest finished military honor. He, uh, As far as I know, he did not actually get that, but he was nominated for it. And he was given his own farm in southeastern Finland. Fittingly, it was located right near the Russian border, probably just to remind them of what he did last time and to not fuck around and find out, you know, because that's what would happen. So after the war, he became a successful moose hunter and dog breeder. He received death threats from people who thought that what he did was wrong, which, I mean, there's people out there that don't, you know, they, they're... Any kind of death is wrong in some people's eyes. So that sucks that this dude did what he did and like almost died for his country. And people are like, yeah, you're a dick. It sucks. So he never talked about the war or what he had been through after this. Like he just basically just didn't want to talk about it. Like he there was a couple of interviews here and there, but it's not like he hung out with his friends and like, hey, by the way, guess what I did? You know, it wasn't like that. Um, when someone did ask him, it was actually a reporter asked him how he became uh, such a badass, basically. He just said, practice. That's it. Practice. So he's just humble, just humble, humble little dude. And when asked if he had any remorse, he would say, quote, I did what I was told to do as well as I could. There would be no Finland unless everyone else had done the same. Very true. So Simo died in 2002. That's right. At the age, the ripe old age of 96. After being one of the most badass snipers in the world, defending his country, getting shot with an explosive round in his face, surviving and lived to 96 well, yeah, he, uh, he actually passed away uh, living in a war veterans nursing home. He never married or had any children. So that probably explains why he lived so long. <laughs> Woo. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so nobody in history has ever been credited with more confirmed kills than Simo. Heha. Like, that's it. Like, he's literally the top notch guy. Oh, and uh, by the way, despite gaining around 22,000 square miles of Finnish land, because that's what they, remember I said they went in and they wanted some and then they ended up getting more. The Soviets actually lost the Winter War with most of their troops having been killed by the defending Finns. So the Finnish, basically it was considered, even though they got the, the land, it was still considered a loss because they had more casualties. A Russian general later remarked that the land they had conquered quote, was just enough to bury their dead. All right. So we're going to be talking about the uh, top 10 best sniper movies of all time. And you know how we do it here. So we're going to go through some of these here. Now there's actually 11. So I will start at 11 here for you. And 11 is The Jackal. Uh, Richard Gere and Bruce Willis. What? It says, the Jackal revolves around two main characters, a lethal assassin, and master of disguises, and an Irish Republican IRA sniper. A his connection with the Russian mafia, the Jackal, Bruce Willis, has an enigmatic link with Mulqueen Richard Gere, who, during that time, is serving time in jail. I have never heard this at all. At all, It's based on a novel by English author Frederick Forsyth, The Day of the Jackal. All right. Directed by Michael Caton Jones. And this one's coming off of uh, Knowledge Gear. So it's not IMDBA. Sorry about that. So anyway, that's number 11 on this. I just figured I'd throw an extra one in there. Uh, Number 10, American Sniper. I have yet to see this one. Everyone says it's actually really awesome. Uh, Let's see. Bradley Cooper is Chris Kyle, a soldier who makes a name for himself as one of the most lethal snipers in American history. After fighting in Iraq, he comes back to his family only to realize that the horrors of war follow him home. Kyle's traumatic experience in the war field puts distance between him and his wife and newborn son. Unable to settle, he decides to return to Iraq four times. Bam. Okay, well, American Sniper is inspired by the true life uh, story of Chris Kyle, a uh, (laughs) a SEAL sniper who earned the moniker Legend during the Iraq War. His memoir, American Sniper, the autobiography of the most lethal sniper in U.S. military history, was published in 2014. I've heard a lot about this movie heard there was some flack on it, too. I'm not really sure what the flack was about, but I heard there was some flack, like maybe it wasn't all true or I don't know. Either way, the dude's a freaking hero, so whatever. So the movie got an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture and an Oscar uh, Best Actor Trophy for um, Bradley Cooper. So yeah, that's pretty awesome. Way to go, Bradley Cooper. I got got to watch that. You guys got to let me know if you've seen these movies and tell me how good they are. Uh, Let's see this one. Enemy at the Gate. Yes, seen this one. Jude Law, Perfect. Set during World War II, the movie revolves around Vassil Zayetsev, who is due law, a highly skilled sniper in the Red Army. During the Battle of Stalingrad, he plays a pivotal role in the Russians' win against the German forces. All right. Enemy at the Gates is based on the real-life story of Russian legendary sniper Vasily and a close reflection of Hitler's invasion of Stalingrad from 1942 to 1943. Huh. There's another one based off true story. Huh. Pretty Cool. Uh, let's see what we got here. Number eight, Number eight. The Wall. This gripping war thriller features excellent performances from lead stars Aaron Taylor-Johnson and John Cena. What? John Cena? <laughs> like the wrestler? Uh, let's see. Staff Sergeant Shane Matthews, John Cena, is a sniper sent to Iraq to investigate a pipeline construction site. Serving with him in the war-inflicted country is Sergeant Alan Isaac Taylor-Johnson, uh, his faithful spotter. Uh, When answering a distress call, the two become the target of a barrage of sniper fire let loose by an unseen enemy. (laughs) Matthews ends up critically injured while Isaac sustains a shot on the leg. Oh, there you go. Directed by Doug Liman, The Wall hit the theaters in 2017. Aside from Cena and Taylor Johnson, it also stars Spencer Thomas and uh, Leith Knockley. No idea who that is. Yeah. Anyway, so I have not seen that one. Uh, This uh, number seven is Sniper. Okay. And a. Pretty sure this is Tom Berenger, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sniper centers on the lives of the unlikely duo consisting of a U.S. Marine sniper and a SWAT member sent on a mission to kill rebel leaders. Oh, boy. Master Sergeant Gunnery Becker, which is Tom Berenger, carries the stigma of having been the cause of death of his squad. Oh. Another chance for redemption is when he is paired up with Richard Miller. Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Oh, You guys know him. He was the asshole in Titanic. <laughs> He's also been to a bunch of other stuff. He's super cool you know he was in uh, uh demon Knight. yeah he was the bad guy in demon Knight too which is amazing see sniper enjoys a cult following setting off a total of seven direct to video sequels oh boy including sniper two sniper three and sniper reloaded oh there you go reloaded uh this one's pretty cool shooter you guys have probably seen this one i imagine at least i have you guys gotta let me know again if you've seen these or not uh this is about uh yeah who, who's in this one? Oh, what's his name oh damn it I gotta rape. Right. Swagger had the perfect record until his latest operation went down the drain and he left everything behind. Not for long. A high-ranking official manages to trace his location and convinces him to take a new job. There's an assassination plot against the president of the United States, and he must help stop it. Swagger soon realizes that uh wait, soon realizes <laughs> this is misspelled, I love it. Soon realizes that the mission is not as it seems. The government has set him up and he becomes the center of a nationwide manhunt, the mastermind of the attempt to kill the president. Yeah, you, you guys have seen this, right? All right. Yeah, and it's, uh, what? The, why, why, can't, why doesn't it tell me his damn name? It's, what's his face? A uh, Mark Wahlberg. That's it. Damn it. Took me forever on this. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I like that movie. I thought it was fun. Uh, let's see here. Number five, Saving Private Ryan. Of course, I remember when this movie came out, man. It was such a huge deal, especially like the, uh, the sound effects and stuff. It's like when you're watching it in surround sound, you can hear the bullets flying. And that was like my first time. Well, no, that was like one of my first times. The first time ever I was watching Twister at my buddy's Nate's house and his parents just got like a surround system. And, <laughs> and I remember going, whoa. Yeah, now I have my own. Mm-hmm. Nah, 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 nah. I don't know why I did that. So Saving Private Ryan, 1998 Steven Spielberg film follows the riveting mission of a group of men to save a young soldier and return him safely to his mother's arms. Uh, stars, of course, Tom Hanks, who plays Captain John Miller. He and his seven men are tasked to find a lost soldier in the field, which would be Mad Mad Damon, who is Private Ryan. And yeah, um, it's it, I, I thought it was a great movie. There's a scene in that movie that really still sticks out to me. Um, it's when the, the guy was in the bell tower and they the enemy came up after him and they got into like a physical confrontation with him. And so the 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 enemy took his knife, I believe and stuck it in the guy's chest while he was sitting on top of him, but they did it really slowly. Oh, God, I remember that. Uh, oh, man. Anyway, uh, number four, the American George Clooney. Sexy George Clooney. Uh, I don't know. Is he? That's, is he still sexy? He used to be, right? Anyway, so uh, this guy, Jack, all right, he's George Clooney, receives an invitation to design a powerful sniper rifle for an assassination of a powerful man. After signing the contract, he discovers that there is more to the job than required. The suspense comes in when Jack finds out that a secret Swiss assassin is monitoring his every move. When Jack unexpectedly falls in love and finds a, f- a friend and a priest, what? He breaks the rules of secrecy stated in his contract. He flees to a small town in Italy and contacts an associate fearing for his life. It's a bit shorter than the uh, usual movie length, running only about an hour and 45 minutes. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it's number four. I don't know who voted for this shit. I'm just on knowledge gear. So blame them. Yeah. Uh, number, let's see. Number three, Wanted. Oh yeah, this movie's badass. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, what is it? James McAvoy, Morgan Freeman, and Angelina Jolie. Where she's like, they're all assassins, and they teach him how to like shoot because he can bend bullets and shit. <laughs> well, there you go. I just told you what the movie was. Anyway, moving on. Number two, Jack Reacher. Which apparently they have a new show out that's based off of this. Uh, this was Tom Cruise back in 2012. It was pretty cool. He was like a badass, but I guess in the book or books, plural. Like Reacher's supposed to be like a big badass, like he is in the uh, the TV series that's out right now. And then you got you got a little Tom Cruise, little guy Tom Cruise. We're talking about a lot of little guys there, aren't we? <laughs> I'm not a big guy at all. I'm I'm only like five ten. I'm fucking lucky. Anyway, when a man suspected of masterminding the killing of five innocent civilians is captured, he mentions Jack Tom Cruise, a former soldier, as slippery as an eel. Well, that's pretty descriptive. The detective in charge immediately sets out to find him, but the search proves to be hopeless. That is until Jack shows up on his own term own term. <laughs> oh, it's great writing. Anyway, I've seen it. It's cool. It's just a big shoot up fighting movie. Basically, you know, whatever. Uh, number one on the list. You guys have any idea? Well, I'm going to tell you. All right. It's Jarhead. Yeah. Topping the list is the 2005 biographical war drama film by Sam Mendez. Jarhead depicts a young Marine snipers, internal and external struggles fighting in the Gulf war. Jake Gyllenhaal plays a U.S. soldier, Anthony Swilford, who, along with his team, is deployed to Saudi Arabia. And this one's pretty cool. It's kind of a slow burn, I thought. There's some pretty cool action scenes in it, but, uh, yeah, it's all right. I thought it was cool. Jarhead is based on the memoir of Anthony Swilford, former U.S. Marine, published in 2003. Interestingly, the term Jarhead is slang for a Marine, it says. Oh, Jarheads. I don't know why, anyway. So listen, I know this is a little bit shorter of an episode, but I felt like it was just kind of, it just, ne- I needed to talk about this guy. Simo Heha. Like, just absolutely amazing. You can look him up online. There's small little like documentaries and stuff, but there really isn't a ton of information about the guy. You got to remember he was, you know, way back in the day, early 1900s. But, you know, if you uh, do some research, you're going to find all kinds of, um, you know, oh, he killed like a thousand people or he killed, you know, I don't know, six. I, don't, I didn't see six anywhere. Uh, the the least amount I saw was 200, but for all intents and purposes, it was right around 500. And that's what he claims in his memoir. Mem- memoir. <laughs> memoir. Anyway, he claimed that as well. So anyway, I don't know. Thought it was a cool story. Hope you guys liked that. Let me know what you think. Because listen, we need some hope, right? We need some hope. And he's a little white hope. Get it? Because he's dressed in white, and he was a sniper and he was a little, little white nanny. I'm going to stop. I'm stupid. Anywho. <laughs> and it's uh, totally weird doing it by myself here. Um, You know, and this is definitely, I don't want um to ever actually stop doing this podcast because I enjoy it thoroughly. I love learning new things about weird, mysterious, unsolved, creepy stuff. And hopefully you guys like listening to me tell the stories like this amazing person that we talked about today um like i said do your own research go out there and look you can find all kinds of cool stuff about him but listen also make sure to stop over to our official website the midnight train podcast.com at our website you can buy some super sweet merchandise at our store where you can find your our duke of Fingerbum shirt we have the jersey raccoon there's all kinds of cool stuff over there i actually just got myself a phone case recently because why not right support ourselves i guess And then, of course, make sure while you're there, check out our sponsors like Dr. Squatch Soap, because Dr. Squatch is changing the way men approach hygiene by providing all-natural, high-quality, healthy products like bar soaps, hair care, colognes, beard oils, and so much more that make you feel like a man and smell like a champion. All soaps and, and products are made right here in the U.S. using the finest all-natural ingredients, not cheaply made or harmfully mass-produced. You can get 20% off your first subscription. Just head on over to our website, TheMidnightTrainPodcast.com, and click on Sponsors, and then you'll get a little code in there. And then, yeah, just let them know we sent you. They have a new Batman, um, I guess, uh, not kit. What? What am I trying to say? A new line i guess that are batman related i don't know i haven't seen it. i just got the email yesterday and i'm like oh not that i'm a huge batman fan but i am a nerd anyway get the best damn soap or get it for somebody else that's how you do that and also check out uh, our other sponsors like bark box over there and voodoo listen voodoo still killing it over there guys if you guys haven't had a chance to get voodoo vodka they just expanded uh their place remember they're a sponsor of ours they're really good friends of mine and i just wanted to give them a shout out you know, because Voodoo Vodka is awesome, so make sure you go check them out. V-O-U-D-O-U-X, right? Voodoo Vodka, it's great. And if you like what you heard from me, you normally say us, but it's just me now, consider being a producer of the show. Head on over to the Midnight Train Podcast and click on the Patreon button or go to patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast because you can't really, um, you can't look for us because we're adult content. Mm-hmm. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get all kinds of cool stuff. It's more about the bonus episodes, though. I really like doing those and like keeping pushing those out. And remember, the other podcast is coming. All right, so just stay patient with us. We're working really hard on it, but we all have real day jobs, and you know, we're trying to get this the make it to uh, boy. I'm. I'm so hung over. I'm sorry. We're trying to make it the best we possibly can. And so it's taken a little bit more time to, to get it all panned out and whatnot, especially doing the cover songs for each of the episodes we do and getting them all put up online. So you guys can actually listen to them on Spotify or, you know, everywhere. So we're working really hard to do that. So just, you know, check that out. So we'll also be getting, you know, um, Bonuses for that as well, too. So sign up, become a Patreon producer because that's amazing. And it really, 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 really helps out a lot. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, YouTube, Spotify. Go over there. You can rate us now over there. Uh, You can also go to Good Pods. You can listen over there. All right. We can't thank you guys enough. I can't thank you enough personally. All right. For all the love and support that this show has received over the years. And you guys are amazing. And hopefully you stick around with me because, you know, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing it, man. That's it. I'ma be here, all right. I'm out in these streets. I'm handling business. I'm Co. Hey, how, bitch. I said his name wrong too. Wow. I, sorry. <laughs> I have such a headache. <laughs> but of course, I can't thank you guys enough. Seriously, and of course to our fearless Patreon poopers. <laughs> to Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Corey Krakowski, Nathan Dinkman, Hank Sanchez, Stacy Laconan, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Albert Lopez, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunsman, Margaret Atkins, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Turner Cox, Sydney Sayer, Gina Madison, Janet Shirell, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Funbox podcast. Yes, you guys should have checked them out by now. Christina Skelton and Jessica Bartlett. Bart- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Bartle damn it, from the Sister Skelton podcast. Make sure you check them out and tell them that I'm sorry for fucking her name up. To Maria Gibbs, to Chainsaw. What the fuck? Jigsaw, Rick Ressler, Courtney Bachelor, Katie Brabenick, and my boy, Bill Birch. And Katie, of course, is my girl, too. We had a blast yesterday. Hopefully, you guys feel better than I do. Oh boy. So listen, spread the word. And if you want your name to be mentioned on the show and for me to have your, just, just, you will have my undying, just, just love and affection for the rest of my life. And just to be forever grateful, just become a Patreon uh, producer and, you know, help out the show. You get bonuses. Those bonuses are fun. They're cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to start getting some guests in here with me since I'm running solo for the time being. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to go lay down. Stay safe out there, passengers. And as always, choo-choo, you beautiful motherfuckers. I'll go home and get your fucking shine box. Oh, my God.